Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Good evening, everyone. My name is Timothy Fair-Matthews and welcome back to the FTNX Academy. You are on the Round Pegs Square Hole podcast and today we have Rosa Bullock with us. Rosa is one of the leading public relation experts in the Middle East. She's super passionate on empowering working mothers and has spoken, has spoken at a variety of events across the region. Rosa launched Associate in 2013. Since its debut, the agency has grown from strength to strength, winning international accounts and being shortlisted for prestigious industry awards. And I got a cuckoo noise in the background. What's going on there, Rosa? Forgot about the cuckoo, Tim. Sorry. No Great way. introduction. Like you're fine. on time. I quite like the cuckoo introduction. We should keep this going as a format, I think, for all talks. <laughs> so, um, so just the topic of discussion tonight, guys, uh, is weaving PR into your marketing plan. Uh, so Rosa, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on. Good evening, Tim. I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself? Good, good. That was a cuckoo clock, wasn't it? It is. Hold on, which way are we? Cuckoo clock behind me, yes. No worries, that's very cool. It's very a cool. trendy how- one, though. <laughs> I don't think it's been years since I've heard a cuckoo clock. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's not doing much for my street cred, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Sebast- Sebastian's just tuned in. He loves cookie clock, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, done. So, so how's, how's your week gone, first of all? How's things going? Yeah, good, thank you. It's been, um, it's been a relatively busy week, actually, so far, and I'm starting to see a, a lot more inquiries and stuff like that. So that means the cogs are starting to turn for me, which is a good thing for us as an agency. Definitely. Amazing. That's really, really good. So how, how big is your agency? How long have you been here? Um, so we've been in the middle. I've personally been in the Middle East for seven years and the agency were a team of 11. Last year, we saw our footprint first put down in the UK in Q4. So that was quite nice for us. because Obviously, the UK is home for me. Yeah. And um, as a team, we're, as I say, 11 of us and still 11 is what I would like to clarify there. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I know a lot of people have felt the pinch over the last uh, few months, so it's great to see you guys sticking together. So um, everyone who's uh, tuning in, watching this talk, um, please keep your PR questions ready. Uh, Rosa is a fantastic person to ask these questions to today, so we'll be taking the questions later on in the talk. Um, PR, I mean, I think we can all agree, I think a lot of people neglect. Um, And and, and one of the things we were talking about just before we went live, guys, is that um, a lot of people don't really know what PR is. So I think, you know, um, it, seems, it seems quite obvious, but I think, Rosa, let's have the, the full picture of what PR is, um, because, you know, you, you told me that you're having to explain this quite a lot, and it's surprising, you know, how many people don't know it. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think one of the reasons that we have to explain what, what PR is so much is because the gap between PR and marketing has been bridged so much over recent years by social media. Really, when I look at what PR is, it's building your brand awareness through your public. So increasing that awareness 
through um, all of the media, whether that be print, broadcast or online. We also have what I call the wonderful world of bloggers and influencers that have taken kind of a forefront, if you like, in the last probably five or six years. Um, so from that sense, as a, as a PR professional, we're getting the message out there. We're getting the, the hook and the angle of the story and the USP of the brand or service out to the, out to the public, out to the audience via the media. So it's using the media as a communication tool outwards. I see. Okay. So again, why is this important that let's say why PR agencies are involved? Like what's what's the problem with just going maybe direct to media? What's the problem there? So you can go direct to media and by all means, especially at the moment, we're seeing lots of tailored solutions from us as an agency out to our clients. So you can do it yourself. A big part of PR though, when you think about how many brands there are, if you were to think about how many competitors you have, going out to those target, that target media on your own can be quite a big job. The PR is all based on relationships. Um, and in that sense, the relationships that an agency has or a PR professional has with the media, with the target media across all of them that I've just said, our relationships are strong, so we're able to leverage them. If you're coming out there on your own, you have to be prepared to make a hell of a lot of phone calls and build a lot of relations before you get the results that you desire. So by all means, it can be done on your own, though. Mm. And there's a thing called, um, I've heard it before, there's also a thing called negative PR as well. Like you can get PR in a good and a bad way. Tell us a bit about that. I always say no PR is bad PR, though. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Visibility. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong, there's many different types that you wouldn't welcome. But what it does is it naturally brings your name, your brand to the forefront. That helps when people are Googling. It helps on your awareness from that point. So when I say no PR is bad PR, there are certain parts, um, certain PR stories that um, I think anybody would know that we think and we remember in a bad light. But the mm. point that I've had is we remember them. That's true. We remember that. We remember that yeah. brand for yeah, that, that story. True. I'm trying to think of a really um, memorable bad PR story for bad brand without obviously you know defaming anyone. Have you got any interesting mm. examples? Oh, uh, probably not so much to the Middle East region. Um, there's a fair few of my, in my London days, yeah. Bad okay. outfit choices, let's take it to a fashion front. Okay, there we go. That's true. Well, that's true. Because I guess it ties into a lot of other things. It ties into like, obviously, like what I do, content creation. It ties into events. I mean, the good thing is you guys are kind of really between the, the global audience and then all the other agencies and other people involved. So you're kind of like quite an important step. Yeah, indeed. And uh, as, as associate, we actually have a marketing campaign that's called Get Your Ducks in a Rose. So the verticals of our business are PR, marketing, events and design. And it is so important to have them all aligned. And that's what I talk about when they're woven together. So it's so important to have them aligned and at the right time and within your marketing strategy in order to effectively communicate your message. Too many people, even the big brands, I can see steps that are missed if people haven't considered all angles. So I've seen some really great marketing campaigns, but they haven't got the PR angle to them or brilliant events that haven't used, that haven't leveraged PR to the maximum to get the footfall. Um, so some great concepts sometimes go amiss just by not putting your ducks in a row. When you say ducks in a row, I mean, I guess one of the huge aspects, I guess, would be almost a like predetermining what the audience would behave when they see the content or the campaign or whatever it is i mean is that is that quite tricky to also try and plan for or is that you know do you kind of do you have algorithms and plan ways to plan for that 
not necessarily algorithms, but looking at it from your target audience and where your target audience sit. So um, if you're to take it in a different sense to PR, but it's the same principle, look at social media advertising in your target audience. We're no longer just looking strictly at that target audience. We're looking at where, where they socialize, what they do, what their interests are. So once you start to leverage PR through strategic partnerships and kind of, as I say, weaving that web out a little bit further, you're able to look at the people that you want to reach easier, whether that be to an event or a store launch or to your website. It's just looking at it slightly wider than you would have necessarily and thinking a little bit outside of the box. Um, and in that sense, the, the, the media landscape's changed a lot as well. So where, if I was to talk to you when I was at university, for example, a couple of years ago, we would have had um, we would have had strict media types. So you'd have had your automotive media, your fashion media, your business media. Whereas these days, um, particularly in the Middle East, but also in the UK, the teams are being shrunk. So in that sense, they are writing across numerous subjects. So you've got to think a little bit wider and think about the target audience that you want to reach your brand, and then take it a step further back where do they where do they socialize where what kind of person are they and in that sense you can get your pr wider i see wow that's some great tips there already amazing so i guess before we go into the nitty-gritty of we've got to really dive deep guys so just uh, just a reminder everyone keep your questions ready um we're going to be working out how to weave pr into your marketing plan but before we do that i think it's only appropriate we hear a little bit about your story um, and why you do what you do. So how come you're in PR? And tell us a bit about how you got here. It'd be great to hear. Okay, cool. Um, so from my sense, I actually, I, I studied fashion management. Um, and the reason I studied fashion management um, actually stems back to when I was 13 years old. You can cut me down, Tim. I'll try and keep it in a nutshell. That's um, okay. No when I actually, um, my mom used to buy me the world's most expensive magazine, as she used to call it. Uh, so back in the day, it was Vogue. Um, I found a small classified ad in the back of Vogue, and it was for London College of Fashion. No picture, no nothing, just a little square uh, classified style. And I, I received the prospectus, I called up, I got them to send it through to me, and I thought, I'm going to be a fashion designer. I've always loved fashion. Um, my dad, and I always say my dad sits on my shoulder, he said to me, well, wh why do you want to do fashion, Rosa? Like, your surname's not McCartney. Are you going to be able to be a fashion designer? Um, so with that... I was like, oh, maybe not. Art wasn't my strongest subject either. So from that side of things, I decided that I would go into fashion management and specialize in marketing. So I did a four-year degree, ended up doing a year in industry, which is where the PR part came in. I did magazines and also PR in London um, for numerous... Uh, numerous fashion brands, which was wonderful. I then actually left all of that and went back and worked for my mom's businesses, which is where the entrepreneurial gene comes. In that sense, I worked for her for three and a half years. I think she employed me and then went on holiday for a year, something like that, seem to remember. Um, so from that side of things, I got the entrepreneurial gene, but I actually came out to the Middle East some years later and I came for a PR job mm. as a PR manager. Um, I came here and was brand new to the region, although I'd been to Dubai before. And in that sense, I came and saw what the agency was like that I came here to work for. was quite shocked, generally, who I am. I like to help people and I really like to understand what their pain points are, what I can do to help them and go forward from that sense. So what I found was a very black and white sales 
industry really for PR. Um, so I don't know whether people that listen can kind of think in the sense that they've had that, oh, agencies, I don't want to go near an agency. And I can understand that really when I was working for someone. Because what I tended to see was that um, I would go out to new business meetings as the professional in the industry. And I was kind of made to try and sell to them rather than listen and work out what they needed. So that was a big bugbear for me whilst I was working for that in, uh, that particular agency. And also, I didn't like the approach. I have to understand, as a professional, PR professional, I have to understand and know my clients. And what I had actually there was, well, the first client I was given was a bank. Fashion background, my mom's businesses are in childcare and health and beauty. I didn't know really anything about finance and banking. So in my first week, I actually asked if I could, I was given my first client and I said, Please try going and spend some time in the in the banks. I need to understand their company culture. I need to understand their brand ethos in order to communicate that message. They were like, no, no, you've got a desk job. Just call, call the media, learn your contacts, uh, get to know them via the website. And I just kind of said, that doesn't work for me. I need to understand about the brand. So really what we try and do with that tailored approach, I listen, like, what do you need? What are the pain points? What are the objectives? When do yeah. you need them? And also, the more time we, as as, agent, as the agency, the more time we spend with the clients, the more integrated we are, the more value we can add, and also the quicker we can understand how to communicate that message in the right tone of voice. And um, so, kind of, it wasn't there when I came. I've seen, I mean, I've been here for seven years, so I've seen a lot more boutique agencies come to the forefront, which it's nice to see a more personal approach has come. But that's certainly why Associate was born, because when I left that agency, I was determined to do it my way. So I started really with some freelance work, friends of friends, then uh, actually started in a different free zone than I sit today. So I had a year in another free zone, then moved to my current free zone. And I've kind of taken what was um, a business idea that was just a dream of putting it right in the industry, if you like, from, from coffee, well, from dining room table, even dining room table to coffee shop to where we sit today, but it's got to be about helping people. And it's got to be about finding the best solution, not about selling a package or everything's got to be tailor-made for me. And I, I really struggled with that when I first got here. So that approach is why we do what we do. And uh, we apply that to all verticals of our business. It sounds incredibly um, complex to try and cost something up for a business if you have to really listen and understand what they're their goals and their target, who their target market is and what they can do. So I guess every project I, I assume is different for you guys, right? Or, or do you have something that is a one size fits all? No, we don't really have a one size fits all. The only thing we have from that sense is we have um, consultancy hours. So that was the other thing that when I initially launched, um, gosh, five years ago now, yeah, coming up for our fifth birthday, when I initially launched then, we, we had retainers and projects. And generally, a project was if you were launching, you wanted to kind of do six weeks, a retainer was over a three to 12 month period. I swiftly realized that actually in the market, as Dubai opened up the, the gates, if you like, to people starting businesses on their own, freelance licenses, et cetera, that there was actually a need to just consult and help people. And that's why you can do PR on your own. You can get started yourself. And that's where we offer a consultancy. Um, and when it's when we look at retainers, even our retainers aren't one size fits all. We tailor the deliverables based on what the client needs rather than trying to box them. I always said um, the agency I came here to work for in the industry then was very much your client A, B or C. 
well, what if you're a bit of A and a bit of B? Well, we'll just sell you the more more expensive version. It just doesn't sit with my soul. Mm, no, of course, that no, makes sense. I think it's a. It's, I mean, if, if anything, it's it's really good that you went on your own to kind of offer something that's a lot more ethical. It's nice to. Actually, I mean, I guess that's a lot of reason why people do start their own businesses because they do feel they can offer a better service. So, you know, considering you guys have have come where come from where you've uh, from your very first steps of going to a to to, to self-employed, it's an amazing feat. So well done. Um, I think it'd be really good to maybe touch upon about why or how people can actually build good PR themselves. So for someone who maybe is, um, so any, some of the people watching, if they're SMEs, what, what can they do um, to start building that good almost PR, you know, I guess presence? And what, can, and what, and what little tips can you share? Okay, sure. Um, so when looking at kind of your, your individual skill set or your brand skill set, the first thing that I would ask people to hone in on is what's different about them. Mm. So what are the unique selling points? What's different from the com competition that's out there? Uh, whether that be in the actual products and services that you offer or it's in the way that you do it. So we call it our PR hook. So that's what we would go through with all clients is what's the hook? Why should people cover you rather than someone else? So that yep. can really start with just a bullet point list where you're sitting in front of the TV. It should be me in that newspaper, me on that podcast because of X, Y, and Z. So that's a really great place to start because if you know what you've got to tell people, um, and if you know what you've got to tell people about your core brand, there are, of course, um, milestones, there's birthdays, there's uh, the successes of a business that you can also talk about, which are newsworthy, but your core brand USPs, what are they and why? From that sense, the next uh, next top tip I would say is to head down to, to Borders, to WH Smiths, head down to, to the bookshop and look at all of the magazines that are on the shelves. These days, not everyone is in print, so you also have to do a Google search. I'm a little bit more old school, I love a book and I love a magazine. But go and have a look at where you could potentially be covered. So your, your hook, your brand, your story, what publications, what media, um, portals would take that story on. So you're looking for potentially where your competitors are, you're looking for like-minded stories or angles. So once you get those magazines, I'd, I'd say buy them, buy them as a one-off or read them online, keep it sustainable. Read them online um, and just have a bit of a look around what, uh, what that looks like and what you could potentially then pitch to the media. In that sense, when you've got those magazines, when you're looking online, you'll always find the person that wrote those stories that you're reading you then are starting to build your media list. Uh, so as you're starting to build your media list, you basically need to get your Excel out, name, telephone number, publication, publication house, those kind of things, and start to build yourself an Excel media list. We still have them, we have online lists and stuff as well, but we still go by the core Excel list and relationships. And in that sense, once you've started to do that, you need to build your press kit and you need to get your images together. Images is a big thing for any brand and it's something that I really would invest in. And that's kind of going back, Tim, to when we were talking earlier about content. You need to invest in your content to showcase yeah. yourself and your products. It's no good doing a half-hearted shoot. Invest in it because it will pay off in the end whether that be video or, or photography. Um, so once you've got your, your list, once you've got your angles and you're starting to build all of your brand um, collateral together in one place, you do need to go through the press release process, particularly in the Middle East. The Middle East, like a press release, there's lots of nationalities, there's lots of writing styles here. Sending it out to your audience actually 
how you want it to be said is very important and it will go a long way in the coverage that you receive and then it is going into a pitching process but kind of if you split that down into four key things that's how you can definitely get started pitching and building media relations is a whole other ball game it will take you time you have to be prepared to dedicate time so anybody that consults with us we just make sure they're aware that pr is not a quick fix is going to take you time, whether that be to build the relations and or for the future opportunity to come up for your brand. Wow. That's a, that's a wealth of uh, tips there. I hope everyone got that down. I've been writing like crazy. <laughs> I, I, love, I, love, I love what you said. I mean, I don't really know where to start. I mean, tying in, I guess, to content, because that's obviously what's closest to me. Um, I mean, one of the things we explain to our clients is that Social media, let's take social media as, as a platform to start with. It's like a lot, well, anything really, website, social media, you know, you know what you post on your public profile, um, your personal profile. It's all like your online shop window, isn't it? Um, and if it's not looking, if you, if, you're, if you imagine a shop window isn't dressed with like really nice displays and the content poetically isn't premium, um, it's not going to reflect anything that's premium inside the store. So, you know, and that's really where you make the sales. So if your content's looking good online, then that's a, yeah, that's a great tip. Um, I think building a media list is also mate, that's an amazing, amazing idea. Um, I mean, because it is—you just got to pick up, pick up magazines, I guess, and just look at the the email addresses and just pick up the phone. It's amazing what you get if you just ask, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. And also, just to, to, on on the content side of things, when you think about um, and have a look, if you've got a coffee table magazine near you, have a look at some of the the features that feature the features that feature multiple brands. The brand, they won't feature an image from every brand. Ultimately, our eyes draw on images before they draw on text. So when you think about that, if they've got a, a double page spread in a magazine or a newspaper or, a, or an article online, they're only going to feature so many images because there's only so much space. They're going to feature the best images, the best looking images. And um, whilst it, you can get featured in that, if you can get an image as well, you're drawn to the information much more. Um, so investing in that set, and we kind of say, we have we have many clients that say, oh, the iPhone does 1.5 meg, uh, 1.5 MB. It does, but can you style it? Like, it really, really is important to invest, especially at the beginning, to get yourself a good image back. No, that's true. So true. So true. I really like what you, um, what you said at the start as well, like going through your USPs. I don't think really a lot of us really do that exercise. I mean, and also like your USPs, I guess, change and adapt. I mean, how many? How how much of people's USPs have changed in the last two three months? I mean, even your even your products have changed. You were telling me earlier, like you've you've actually opened up a few new, um, you know, revenue streams. So that's an amazing exercise, I think. Yeah, and that's also that's also ties into selling. Like we've been talk, we've doing doing a lot of sales uh, ch chats on here with some sales experts. And, and again, if you don't know your USPs, it's going to really put you in a disadvantage because it's the first thing people are going to ask, isn't it? Like, why you? Um, mm -hmm. And I think I think also with that, it's it's it is the why you of course, but if you don't shout about your USPs, mm. someone else will come up with that USP slightly different, and they will talk about it. So that's why I really urge people that have something a bit different to get on the PR bandwagon as quick as they can, because otherwise, someone else will see what you're doing via an Insta story you post personally. They'll think that's a great idea. I'll replicate that. And then they'll do PR and then they'll get all that coverage and you'll be like, that should have been me. Mm, so true. I mean, one of the a, a huge benefits as well, like it, it helps you in the sales anyway. And just you looking more, you know, premium to your clients. If you have things like features and magazines, because you can take that as an asset, put it online. 
Um, so these little successes awards, it's not just about what impact you get from it being featured by people looking at it. It's the long-term uh, benefits as well, the accreditations and things, as, which is great. I mean, how many, yeah. how, many award, how many award bodies are there here, for example, in Dubai? I mean, is there one for every industry or? There's more the than one for most industries. Yeah, there are more than one for most industries. And there's more and more awards coming each year rather than less. Um, so it's nice to see it's not only something for the mantelpiece, but it, it also builds a lot of credibility even uh, when you think to your marketing off the back of that award, when you get shortlisted, where does that shortlisted logo go? All of these things help in that purchase decision for for clients. So yeah, there's there's numerous awards. Um, you just Googling awards in Dubai, look at the publication house awards from that, that come from the media sense as well. It's really worthwhile exercise having once every or twice every year, maybe just going in at the beginning or, or midway through the year and going, right, what are awards are coming and when are their deadlines? I've been guilty in the past, as I'm sure we all have, of going, I should have entered that. So it's just building it into your plan, weaving it through. No, that's a very good exercise. I mean, again, all of this information is available online, isn't it? And there's no excuse really to try and just dig this up. Again, people forget it. I'll be honest, we've not put much effort into PR. And I guess, you know, having having these assets just available just makes you look a lot more credible. I mean, um, we've just, as you know, just become a number one podcast on iTunes, which is pretty amazing. Now, that's 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 something we're announcing you know, all the time, which is great. So, yeah, it just adds a lot more um, oomph to your pitch, doesn't it? Um, it so we're going to um, talk, let's, let's go actually onto the topic. So weaving PR into your marketing plan. So can we run through almost like an example campaign and how we would do that and break that down? Um, because I think, you know, a lot of people at the minute, everyone's investing in social media. Everyone's now, things are now opening up. People are going to be looking really carefully about how they can get the most bang for their buck in that respect. Um, and, how, and how can we weave PR into that to make it even more successful? Sure. Um, a good example I can give is actually something that we've we've done for a client on numerous times, and we also did for ourselves as an agency. And uh, the first thing I'll say is, when we did it as an agency, we did it on actually on a really low budget. So one thing I really want to stress when we're looking at PR activities is to think outside the box and think how you can do it, and it doesn't always have to cost you a fortune. I know too many people that go, oh, I can't get into PR; it's going to cost me a bomb. It's not. So the example that I have is when you kind of, we always split things down when we're looking at a marketing plan and we, we build our PR off our marketing plan. So what's happening in Jan, what's happening in Feb, March, so forth. Um, so one of the ones that has been a lovely story and a great success for us as an agency and a client, as I say, was International Women's Day. Now, when you see, um, you see International Women's Day, 8th of March, what does that look like for your brand? You might say, hmm, nothing really. Not really sure. For us as an agency, um, I should have done the client first, that would have been polite, but I'll do the agency first. Um, what we what we looked at was, uh, and this was last year, we kind of said, well, it's International Women's Day, what can we do? We can do a social media post, we can shout out to women that we know. But hold on a minute, we've got a lot of female clients. We've got male clients too, but let's, let's highlight the female. So what we actually did was partnered with um, a client of um, uh, Happy Bubble Balloons, and we said, can we have one of your bubble balloons that just says you're awesome? Yeah, no problem. Brilliant. Can a member of the team come down? Can we put a little gift card on there from Socia? And we actually sent these balloons out. And it was on a Friday. So we employed a, a separate driver. Still didn't cost me a bomb. Um, and we sent a, a happy bubble balloon uh, in either pink, which is our marketing color, or orange, which is our PR color, to all of our female clients. 
So on their doorstep on a Friday morning was a bubble balloon. It said, you're awesome, happy International Women's Day. Now, what did that do for us? It wasn't necessarily a traditional PR story in the sense of um, a press release, but what it was was social media love from our clients, a hell of a lot of love and thank yous, which is always nice. And also it was a chance for us as an agency to recognize them. Mm. We don't always get a chance to say thank you. Saying thank you can be corny. Is it close to renewal date? Like, what's the reason? No, no, just because you're women and we do think you're awesome and it's International Women's Day and we should recognize you. So that was something we did and it got us, um, and we have got facts and figures and reports on it because that's the other thing. Whatever you do, report it. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you change from your PR activities, make sure you create a report of it because it has a worth to you and it has an ROI. So, so we have an increase in social media engagement. We have very happy clients. We have clients saying, what can we do for Ramadan's coming up? What can we do? Um, so it's just thinking a little bit further outside the box. And we did a similar thing for Women's Secrets. So um, lingerie and swimwear and um, underwear brand here. We had um, we did a gifting around International Women's Day and the whole ethos of it was celebrating women. Fits in very nicely. They wanted to do an influencer activation anyway. Tying it around to a calendar date means that then you can play off hashtags, you can play off a story. And with Women's Secret, they had lots of things going on in their stores. So they also did a press release. So it's just how you can go, do you know what, these are the calendar dates, these are the marketing key points. What can we do from a PR angle? Mm. agency side this year we, we didn't do international women's day we just did the social post but this year we actually did fantasy day um, and we sent it out to all of bloggers and influencers within within our database well not all of them we, we did a select few before i get in trouble um, and with that it was thank you for growing with us they help us do our job so thank you for growing with us and we sent them a plant pot with where we had already done a team activity and planted the seeds Thank you for growing with us. And we also asked them because a lot of people get associate wrong. A lot of people say societies, God knows what. So we said, can, can you go in, onto Instagram, do us a story and tell us how you think you say associate. Um, and uh, she's now actually a member of our team, but at the time our interns actually came up with so C8. So sow a seed. So it, it tied in really nicely, but that was, I mean, maybe cost me 500 dirham. We did the deliveries ourselves. But it had social media love, it had a bit of a story behind it, it tied into what was happening within the marketing calendar, which made it relevant. These kind of things are just ways that you can think outside the box of what to do. Helping people, CSR activities, they always go down really well. It's how you can look at what's happening, what month is it, and take it from there and go, how can I be different? So not only the USPs of your brand, how can I stand out in another way? No, that's amazing. I think a lot of people are saying, you know, are really responding very well to this tip. I think it's, it's that's ingenious, you know, and also like lever leveraging your clients' network as well, because obviously they're going to post about it. They're going to be extremely touched, and you know, it's, like I said, great PR from so many angles. And the good thing is, is you just can you connect with your clients. I don't think a lot of people. Um, we've again been saying this on a few talks. Like really, the time now is to be giving value and calling your clients and checking checking in with them, seeing if there's anything that you can do to help add them to support. Not not to make money, but just to recognize, as you say, you know, um, an ama amazing way, just to, I think it's an amazing, amazing tip there. So, show wow. Show you care is really important. Show you care, show you can help, um, and you're there to help, like from whatever form that is, it's make, making a difference. True, true. Had the cuckoo clock again there. That's <laughs> a half past, yeah, sorry. 
it goes on every oh, like 30 minutes that's cool <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing it again in 30 minutes but maybe we can keep this going for an hour yeah wait it gets 12 you get 12 cookies that'll look really cool we should next time we do this we'll have to do it at 11 o'clock 100 percent. Okay, sure no worries just keep me matchsticks so how have you guys um weathered the pandemic let me just talk a little bit about that because i know you guys have you said you mentioned you, you've created some low-hanging fruit you've created some new products you've also built built a community so walk us through a little bit about what you guys have done because you know you guys are in a good industry i guess to be in a lockdown i mean it's affected everyone but i guess you know you can work remotely so it would be really interesting to hear what you guys have done um so tell us a bit about that Sure. Yeah, we have worked remotely. We're, we are still working remotely, although we're going into the office one day a week. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be really honest, when, when lockdown hit, when all of this happened, it hit me a little bit like a bus because I was all of a sudden thrown into the digital world. As you know, Tim, when I got on our call tonight, I was like, oh, I've done it. Rose has done it. Excellent. I'm not a technology kind of person. And my team are, which is lucky. But when it came to this, one of my values is FaceTime as well. One of one of Sosate's values is FaceTime. I love sitting down for coffees with people. And I really struggled to start with, with how easy it was going to be to sit down for a coffee over Zoom or, or Google Hangouts or whatever. Um, so when, it, when we came into lockdown, we were met with huge decrease in the number of clients of course everybody went what am I going to do business is down what should I do to prepare for this how long is this going to last um so with that we were met with less clients 100 percent but what we did really once I've come out of my scared moment and uh, we looked at kind of what our true profession is and what we what we can do in its rawest form um, so certainly as PR professionals we're also trained to write we're lucky that we have an in-house copywriter as well with us. So we went to kind of, and, and I don't mean the basics of it, because writing is by no means basic, but we went to what I classed earlier as the low-hanging fruit. So within each department and in everything that we did, we stripped things back to what do people need and what can they still afford now? That was a big thing for me. And although we haven't really publicly gone out with it, we went into survive, not thrive mode. Mm. It was very, very important for me to keep my team together. Um, I didn't want to start laying people off. I have a wonderful team that I've grown over the last five years. Um, and also some team members have been with me for most of that journey. So it was important to try and keep us together as full as we could. But in turn, in that, I did, of course, see that people weren't going into retainers or larger projects. Everything that we kind of built up to, we almost went back to, to basics and we went back to our core skills. And we also looked at everything that we offered and stripped it into packages. So we kind of came up with, although not outwardly, associate price list of what our focuses were. Um, So whether that be um, kind of small design projects, copywriting in blog article form, do you know what, you can have one blog article, you can have a package of four, or we can just proofread. Um, We we kind of went at it like that, and and it worked, to be honest. And what it actually ended up doing um, is actually us being more visible to people that wouldn't necessarily have thought they could use us before. Despite I have a happily go for coffee, or there's a solution for everyone, there's still people that go, oh, I'll, I'll get to being able to use an agency later. So actually by looking at the low hanging fruit, it was quite good for us in that sense because it opened up new doors. And um, personally, I got over my Zoom technology fear and got onto as many online networking events as I could do. Um, and it actually in one sense for us, because we have a footprint in the UK, made it easier for me because I can network in the UK without getting on a flight. 
So rather than going once every month, once every six weeks, I can go every day, which was, which was a good thing. But yeah, looking at low hanging fruit, like what, what can people afford now and being reflective. I think with every, with every new prospect that I talk to at the moment, I ask for the same kind of honesty, like where are you at? What is your budget? And then how can we work together? So we both, we both flourish. I, th I think it's amazing that in this crisis, you guys have almost created, I mean, we, we were talking about this as well, like in a lot, and we're also trying to encourage as many of our clients to do this as well. It's develop an ecosystem of products um, and having different price point products. I mean, this is something I'm assuming you guys are going to keep now or, or are, yeah, are you 100%. So that's good. So, yeah. I mean, if, if anything, it's kind of like the perfect, a lot of people almost solidifying their sales funnel a bit more. They get, they've got a nice, they've got an easier product range to sell, you know, and, and, and they can put their people in different boxes. So, so you've also, you mentioned you've got the community as well. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. that's a free community, I guess, to sign up, is it? Yeah, it is indeed. So the reason we launched your PR guru as a Facebook group was because again, I think some people can be or the perception can be that it's untouchable to ask questions. And for me, no question is too silly. I say it to my team, I say it to my mom, bless her when she's trying to get over her technology phases. Um, no question is too silly and that the community group is there basically for us to support each other. There's other PR professionals on there, other agency owners that can equally answer the questions. It doesn't have to just be me and my team. And um, so really come to us and learn from each other's questions. And that's the one thing we've seen in webinars as well, that there's been a lovely flurry of questions at the end of webinars um, for it to be able to, people can learn from, usually that question, that burning question you have, someone else has it too. So that's the principle of the matter with the, the group and also sharing, sharing industry knowledge, sharing articles of interest, sharing um, things that we have done. Um, and it's not there to sell to people, it's there to educate um, and, and be that community. Well, again, again, it's an it's an amazing just benefit just to a business just to have a community that know like and trust you. Again, it's um it's it's credible. It's great for PR, and and they and they naturally will probably filter into you know your low hanging fruit, or maybe even develop into a, a a long term relationship with you and your in your PR agency. So that's amazing. You guys do marketing as well. So your your company split up through PR. You've you've separated it. Is that right? Yeah, indeed. So we have, yeah, we have four verticals officially, but two fully fledged verticals. Um, I'm okay. always very conscious that as a team of 11, we are not a 360 degree agency. We cannot do everything for you. And that's why I have yeah. a wonderful group of strategic partners. And um, yeah. so, yeah, PR marketing, events and design, but PR and marketing are the core verticals. But even back to kind of five years ago when I launched Sociate, social media has come leaps and bounds in five years. It's certainly come leaps and bounds in 10 years. So social media ends up bridging together PR and marketing, really, because influencers, um, some people would class that as a social media activity. Some people class it as a PR activity. Strictly, it is a PR activity, but all of the influencer content goes on social. So there's a very woven web between the two departments. Um, and I always say years gone by, back in the day when I was in London, big companies would have a PR department on one floor, a marketing department on the other, and they would probably meet once a month, once every two weeks to discuss that they were on track. These days, and particularly in the Middle East, people think PR is marketing and vice versa. That's true. I mean, have you got any marketing tips? I mean, or is that kind of closely linked to PR, what we've already covered? I mean, is there a way you can maybe share some advice on that as well? Um, from a marketing sense is keep marketing, be visible, um, don't stop and also plan ahead. 
I see too much in this region um, and Valentine's Day for some reason is always the one that I use as an example of what has clearly been a 13th of February flurry to try and do something for Valentine's Day. Actually get yourself a diary, print yourself out a plan and go what happens when. Um, and we always do that from the sense of calendar dates and also regional dates and see how you can leverage those, but plan ahead. Too many people go, oh, I should have done that. Or, oh, someone else did that. That was a great idea. But I had that idea in the shower two weeks ago. Like, plan, 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 plan would be my marketing tip. Okay, great. I think we're going to just go through some questions now because we've had some questions that I think we um, we, we should bring up because I think there's going to be more tuning in soon. So um, we've got a question here from Shivani. Uh, doing PR is very difficult for me. How do I uh, walk up to someone and not blow my own trumpet? So I guess this, how do you not sound like you're boasting, I guess? That's a, a good question. So what, what can you share there? Sure, indeed. Um, and in that sense, don't be scared to shout about yourself. I know that can seem really, really hard, um, but if you don't, no one else will. So again, look at the USPs. Like, why should you be shouting about yourself? Hmm. What are What is unique to you about your brand and about what you're doing? And um, stay true to you in the way and the approach that you take with that. If it's not natural for you to walk up to someone, take the email route first or the LinkedIn route to say hi um, and just create your own approach. The other way to do it and relationship building is big in PR before you even get to blowing your own trumpet and talking about your USPs, find out a little bit about that person you're trying to contact. So it is a little bit more organic. Uh, you might be able, they might have an open social media and you can see that they've just been on holiday. Oh, I understand you've just been away. Did you have a good time? Ultimately, the barriers start to come down to allow you to more naturally blow your own trumpet about your USPs. Oh, that's so true. That's really nice. Yeah, I guess doing a little bit of research, um, you know, just in the back of the person about a call. I mean, it doesn't have to be to a mass. I mean, PR can be good just to one singular person, can't it? Yeah, depending on, your, depending on what your brand is and when you've looked at kind of your target audience and who might cover you based on the magazines you've read, the podcasts, the, the online um, portals, it, it's not always to amass. And also um, media open up doors to other media. That's not to be forgotten. True. So anyone who's just tuned in, just to remember, um, we've got you know one of the best PR specialists in the region here, guys. So just keep your questions ready. Um, I'm just going to throw to a question from Sabrina here. Um, where is it? I've lost it. So we said, what tips do you have to reach and appeal to a specific tar target audience? So I guess that depends really on the audience, but I guess how do we narrow that down and work out the correct message um, and how we appeal to them? Okay, from, from that sense, why do they need you? So don't only look at your own business objectives, like what can you do for them? And why do they need your product or service? So I think a lot of the time, and, and it goes back to the, the last comment, we can think we're shouting about what we do and how amazing we are. Look at why your audience needs you. Um, so we talk about marketing pain points or PR pain points. Look at your audience's pain points. Why did you, why did you do what you do? Why did you create your product or your service? And then in that sense, look how you can look at that target audience and talk their language. Not only your own tone of voice, but reflect on why why they need you and how you can answer their questions. Hopefully that answers that. No, yeah, Sabrina, yeah, thank you, Sabrina. It's really taken away a lot from this interview. Thanks for the amazing tips, that's great. Um, one of the things I, I'm quite curious about, I've got a question linked to, um, you said that you've got some copywriters involved. So, I mean, we don't have any copywriters in our company, um, but we obviously we do a lot of scripts, but I guess when it comes to writing copy, it's something we always struggle with. 
So we do use freelancers from time to time, but what, what tips can you share to kind of boost that? Would there be probably courses or, or how would, would you say it's worth some, worth investing in or do you think it's something you should always outsource? What do you think there? Oh, uh, I would find the right person that's right for your brand and if they're not within your team, outsource it. Um, I, I think it can be copy strains. And with that, our in-house copywriter, um, when I've met new clients or I've kind of heard of someone that needs copy, I always go to Nicole and I say, it's, is this your bag or isn't it? And she'll be really honest with me. And that's where even us as an agency will outsource certain topics. Because if someone doesn't write naturally about it, it can always be very strained. And if they don't get the right tone of voice, it's a worthless exercise. So if you've got someone naturally in-house, great, but I would recommend outsourcing to find the right person. A client we started working with two weeks ago had been through numerous copywriters and they didn't actually come to us for copy, but Nicole naturally supports on clients as well. Um, so she started to support on some email blasts and so forth. And we had great feedback, like we really love your style of copy. So when you get it right, it's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful recipe. So yeah, sometimes I would, I would outsource anyway, even if you've got writers or competent writers in-house they might might not be right for your brand sure sure in terms of um collaborations i mean i've always been told that pr can be fantastic if you leverage i mean not just collaborating with clients but like with even competitors in some way like so how, how can that be easily done because you know one, one good thing i guess for me collaborating with sebastian because he was his own entity before this virus is, is we've managed to leverage leverage each other's networks like we've brought my whole network and his whole network on this platform that we see right now and people are able to learn from each other so i guess that's a good example or, or would there be other alternatives as well so can you talk a bit about collaborations and how that would work yeah sure so for me i was called them kind of i look at it from a strategic partner sense i, I like the partnership angle of it. it is also a collaboration um mm. but i think it's looking at what people's strengths are and playing to the strengths so uh, when you look at your network um, and you look at who you're surrounded with, if you have synergy and you work in the same kind of way and there is an opportunity to outsource on a, or partner with on a regular basis with the same person, those strategic partnerships can work really well. And the, the other thing I see from an agency side, again, particularly in this region, is that 360 approach. We can do everything. The reality for me is we're 11 people, we outsource to strategic partners. We have great collaborations. Um, equally, we have seen lovely collaborations between other PR agencies. I always say for clients, if you work with other agencies or you work with digital marketing agencies or creative agencies, get us all around the table, get all of those light bulbs flowing um, and, let, and let's see what we can do together. The more you work together, the stronger you are. And I think there sometimes can be that negativity or hostility around, oh, I couldn't work with them. Why not bring, bring professionals together and execute really great results? Fantastic, really great tip. So Nate, let's, let's name some of your, your partnered associates. Who do you tend to, tend to lean on for projects? Uh -huh. Okay, um, so we've got wonderful like printing partners um, with regards to when we're putting together gifting for clients and looking at how we can make that unique experience at events. So printers are, are a great one for us. Photographers and videographers, we have a nice bu uh, bundle of them together, yourself included, Tim. And that is because we need different styles. 
one style doesn't fit all in photography and videography, as we know. So we have we have a collection of, of them together, and they work great for events, for clients that need imagery, um, and for generally capturing content for social media. So that they're key for us. Event partners can also be great within um, within the hotels, depending on what we're doing or what space we need or what space our clients need. They can also be really great as well. I'm trying to think what other ones. Um, generally, um, activations. So when we're doing PR events, we like to not only make it all about the, the, the products or our client, we like to look at what can make that event interesting. So um, other cool ideas, I, I listened, um, or I had a meeting rather and listened into a presentation earlier on this week that was all about um, perfumery and, and, and smells and they do uh, pop-ups at events. That would work really well for a fashion brand. So I kind of put it in my bucket of that's a really great idea and I'll happily partner with them um, at a later date as we hit the new normal and events resume slightly. Amazing. Um, just got another question from Sabrina. I'm just going to show up. So how, how can you show that you come across trustworthy to potential clients, especially now that everything has moved online? Because I guess the rapport and trust building exercise has now been incredibly limited. So what I mean, I guess, would that be accreditations, maybe awards? What would you say there? Um, I'd say visibility through through your social channels. I think when we think about meeting new people, we generally tend to look on LinkedIn or we might see if we can find them on Facebook or Instagram. Um, so from that sense, um, I'm not a big believer in keeping your personal life and your work life completely separate. I like to have them woven in. Um, if anyone follows me on social, you see a little bit of my three-year-old and a little bit of work. And the reason for that is the authenticity. I am a person. Um, and also when I looked at everything having gone online, and I'll get to the trustworthy element of stuff as well in a second, but when I look at everything that's gone online, the first few weeks, I was like, door locked, like, oh, Ada, like, please, Maddie, please keep it downstairs for my nanny. And then eventually I was like, do you know what, we're all working at home. I'm a real person, I am a mum. All of these elements come into it. Don't get me wrong, if she sat on my lap in her Cinderella dress for too long, I, I start to push her off. But generally bring, bringing that authenticity through um, social media. So allowing people to see you visually, so visibility. Um, and from a trustworthy sense, I've had way too many Zooms equally in the last few months where no one's had their camera or whether the other person hasn't had their camera on and things like that. Let the person see you, let them know you've got their full attention, um, let them know that they're const you're concentrating on them. Um, that's another big one for me. And I think the other side of things when we're, we're remote, but we are seeing deliveries and things, if you really want to make an impact on the person you've had a meeting with, maybe you pitch to them, send them something. Um, send them a small gift, send, and it doesn't have to cost you a fortune, but or send them something that they can receive to their desk. Uh, when I look at kind of how we all went to invitations for events and now we're all back to a physical invitation and something unique. Like, what can you do that's a bit different? Mm. Um, what can you do that makes you stand out from the crowd, from the crowd and, and be remembered again? It comes back to that and it all builds that kind of, oh, do you know what? That person is trustworthy because of some of these factors. I know it's kind of maybe a bit of a disjointed answer, but you're, the more visible you are, the more open you are to your audience, the easier they will find it to to relate to you and to build that trust when it is a remote trust. No, so good, such great tips. Thank you so much, Rosa. Um, so guys, everyone watching, and if you're catching this video a bit later on, no problem, um, but Rosa has kindly, um, is going to give us uh, a little freebie, I think, which you're gonna be posting um, after the talk. So tell us a little bit about what you're kindly offering to the group. 
Perfect. Thanks. Um, so we've in this time we've done a lot of webinars and things, but one thing that I'm finding that even in in talking through webinars is that people have a lot of questions. Um, so we're doing two separate webinars that will take place during July, and it's your marketing pains, and it literally will be a panel of myself and two others, um, TBC on the exact names yet, and we will be there to answer your questions. What I tend to find with that, and the same for PR, but two weeks later. Um, that what I tend to find is the that first answer to this, what would you do about this? Um, and those that join, um, when they come and ask their own questions, also, as I say, someone else's questions will probably flag a little to-do list for you as well. Amazing. So I think you said that with the marketing pains and the PR pains, they're going to be two different workshops. Is that right? Yep, they are indeed. So both in July. Both in July. So guys, so uh, Rosa, we'll be posting this in the group um, after the talk. Uh, we have 10 spots for each, completely free. You have Rosa and uh, all her knowledge and the team at, her, at your disposal for that. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for doing that, Rosa. It's very kind of you. Um, just got another question. Got another question here. So we got someone. Uh, not sure who it's from, but how can we increase personal brand presence using PR in these times? And what activities would you recommend to carry carry that out? Because personal brand, I think a lot of people neglect, don't they? Yeah, I, I think people forget their own worth sometimes, and I've seen that a lot, particularly with um, particularly with professionals who've been within big companies. They're very valuable to that company, but they forget how valuable they are to everyone else as well, based on their knowledge and years of experience and expertise. So what we're recommending that people do at the moment is looking at it from a contribution article sense. So again, when you're looking at the target media or even the media that you read, if you have um, if you have an angle for a story, or you read something and somebody has put together their top three tips on how to do this, you could think oh, I could think of seven tips. So look at what kind of how you could contribute to the publications, and um, particularly online, they really are welcoming contribution articles, but equally also in print. So look at what you've got to say about the current situation or about your current industry and the marketplace. Look at those angles, and then I tell people to, to write a bullet-pointed list of what you could write about. I'm by no means suggesting you write all 10 articles right now. I just mean, what could you write about? And then what you're doing to the target media is pitching the stories to them. I am a professional in, I would like to comment, or I could contribute to your publication by writing an article about this. Would this be of interest to you? You're almost angling them a carrot to see whether they would like you to contribute. If they would, you'll see a positive response. Based on the media um, editorial teams being a lot less at the moment, it's easier for contribution articles because they're welcoming content. So look at what you could talk about, what angles, what topics, what headlines, or the bullet pointed list, as I say, and send that out and try and pitch that to them. And if you, they, they may say, oh my goodness, yeah, I'd love you to write about it. The big thing with this as well is do a bio if you don't have a bio. Send it along, send your, your story and your angle alongside your bio because they have to know why you. Why are you a credible source to talk about this subject? But that's a great way to be able to get some contribution articles through the media. Say that article doesn't go to plan, nobody picks it up. It's still a great article for your LinkedIn. So look at it from that sense of how to um, how to build contribution articles and put it through the media, and it will build your brand presence. It's wonderful posting on LinkedIn, sharing articles, but it's really great to put some content there that's actually your content. 
So true. I mean, I think a lot of people realize that they can actually behave very differently if it's their personal brand, can't they? You don't have to do or mirror like what everything does in your company. I mean, um, a lot of a lot of people I know are, are now pivoting in a way where they're becoming a key person of influence, a KPI with their brands, which um, is really useful. It's, if, if anything, more companies should have it. I mean, you, you're the face of your brand, aren't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Why, and, and why do you think like, so many people are? Why do you think so many people are hesitant of doing it? Do you think? Um, I think even I am on certain days, Tim. I think sometimes it's um, it can be confidence, and it can also be, am I credible enough? Mm. I think we we all have. To, I call them wobble days, where you think, oh, should it be me doing this? Should it be me sitting here? Um, yeah. And that's where we have to kind of build our own self, and and also um, remember that again, it goes back to the PR story. If you don't do it, someone else will. So use it. It's a great PR to get out there before someone else does it in your place. Amazing. Rosa, thank you so much for sharing all that knowledge on PR and marketing. I've learned thank a load um, and I'm sure everyone else will do as well. And you know, I think anyone watching this film, even if they're watching it back afterwards, um, will get a lot of value here. So thank you so much. And uh, guys, just to wrap up again, we've got um, an amazing workshop, two workshops actually from Rosa and her team, marketing pains and PR pains, 10 spots for each. So Rosa will be posting that um, after the talk look out for that post um the way to apply for that guys would be in the comments you need to say i'm in you can apply for both workshops so uh that's absolutely fine but it will be available for the first 10 of each rosa thank you so much um how can thank everyone you. keep in touch with you um so what can they do to kind of find out more if they want to ask any other questions what what can they do and where can they find you um maybe on linkedin or on instagram i answer all my dms on instagram as well um, personally the team usually do the agency ones but by all means link linkedin's the most business one but if you want to see a bit of the toddler as well and a bit more of me um i'm regular on instagram as well so check me out it's rosa adb think about that then amazing rosa thank you so much i hope you have an amazing uh, amazing rest of your evening and thank you so much for coming on you too. Talk to you soon. Thanks ever so much, Tim. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.